Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. We've got, including today, five more times for me to speak into your lives. So I hope that you will join me in this process. I want to try not necessarily to um, tread over new ground, but to remind you of some of the things that we've talked about over the last 12 and a half years. Um, This is a new message, but an old subject. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. This passage means a great deal to me. I don't know how many. Well, let me ask a question. How many of you have a life verse? You know, some verse of the Bible that you carry with you that is, that is yours. Let me see. How many? Yeah, there are several. Well, my life verse, and I'll point it out as we come down through here, but my life, life verse is part of this. And I'm going to shed this. And I know I've been trying to eat my way through this decision. So, (laughs) yeah, there's been a, for whatever reason, there's been a chocolate obsession going on. So, uh, my mom loves chocolate, and I've been accusing her. It's all her fault. She put it in me. Beginning at verse number seven, uh, we're going to. I'm going to read a bit of this here through verse 21. So follow along with me. Paul says, but whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want you to know, yes, to know the power. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> Paul says, if you disagree with me, just hang on because you'll get it right soon. Come on. And on the same point, you think differently, that too will God make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained or attained. Father in heaven, we're going to need your help here this morning. Because we've come out of the world and we're trying in an hour and 15 minutes or so to be kingdom people, to draw from your word of truth. And there is an unnaturalness to it. Our flesh even pushes against us as we try to absorb your word. All the cares of life, all the things that we are going to do the rest of this day, the rest of this week, are pushing against us and wanting our attention. So help us, Holy Spirit, to be able to be in the moment and take from this moment what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As I step up to preach this morning... I think about a little boy 
came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I want to give you some money when I get older. And the pastor gave him a hug and thanked him for that. He said, now why? Why are you wanting to give me some money? He said, well, he says, because my daddy always says that you're one of the poorest preachers that he's ever heard. So you may be there. <laughs> yes. This message today is really about perspective. Gaining a right perspective with this objective. Moving forward. I'll even put it as my title says, the secret to moving forward. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I've heard from some of you and your pursuit and desire, but many of you set out here and I, I don't really know where you're at in pursuit of the things of the Lord. But I'm gonna give you, out of Paul's words here this morning, some tools to help you if you come to the point where you want to move forward spiritually. On perspective, I read this little story about three sisters who were 92, 94, and 96. They lived together. One night, the 96-year-old drew a bath. She put one foot in and then paused, said to herself, was I getting in the tub or out? And she yells to her other sisters that question. The 94-year-old hollered back, I don't know, but I'll come and I'll see. And she started up the stairs, but stopped on the first steps and shouted, was I going up or coming down? And the 92-year-old was sitting in the kitchen having tea and listening to her sisters. She shook her head and said, I sure hope I never get that forgetful. And as she sat in there, she knocked on wood. And she said, I'll be up <clears throat> and help you both as soon as I see who's at the door. <laughs> it's all about perspective. I think of it quite often in, in regard to what we're doing. And may I say that these principles not only apply to us as individual Christians, but they apply to churches. Now, I'm going to show you a little bit of that in a moment. Paul says in verse number 13, and oh, by the way, uh, I actually stumbled on it because the King James Version is inside my heart, but verse number 10 is my life scripture. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto him in his death that I might, I might be able to also experience his resurrection. That's the life that... He's called me to live. I like the power of the resurrection. I have a little struggle with the suffering part, but it's part of it. But verse number 13 is where I would take you today. And as I said, this is very simple, but one that we forget so often. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind Hmm. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting the failures. I'll not ask how many of you have had failures. You all have. We all have. It's important to, and, and here's the key, it's important to remember the lessons, but let go of the failure. In regard to our sins... It's important to bring those sins to the Lord Jesus and let him wash them away and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise. If you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He takes it away. The psalmist says, cast it as far as the east is from the west. And that is our assurance. But learn the lessons. If you don't learn the lessons, you're back at it again. Understand what it is in your life that sends you down that path. 
I've confessed to you a number of times about my eating and loving, loving sweets and everything like this. I will not, I cannot be critical of people who suffer in addi with addictions. Can't. Recognized a long time ago. I can go, at one point I went two and a half years without having anything sweet. And then all it took was one ice cream cone on vacation and opened up the floodgates and I was right back at it again. I understand addiction. I understand the destruction that many addictions cause in our bodies. But here's, here's a key. This is a key to our, our life in moving forward is gain an understanding of who you are and your propensity and your weaknesses and where, where you sinned. The sin is wiped away, but why did I go in that direction is very important for us to understand. Because you may not go in that specific direction again, but another one chasing another addiction or something else. You understand, I'm just using the addiction port part, part as an example, but all facets of sin have something down inside of us that attracts us to them. Understanding that, away from the sin itself, but learn, learn. Many lives have been stopped from accomplishing what God intended because they could not move beyond their failures. Oh, I'm no good. I did blah, blah, blah. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Walk free. Staying free is part of the lesson things that we're talking about. That part I think we understand. But put successes also in proper perspective. It's easy to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Oh, I've got this under control. Careful. Remember our study in James where he said, don't even presume upon tomorrow. You don't know. Your life is, is but a breath. To even presume and say, tomorrow I'm going to do this, and the next day I'm going to do this, and the next day I'm going to do this. James tells us, he says, pronounce it, if it's God's will, if God purposes, if God will allow, if God's grace and mercy will be upon me, then I will do this and that tomorrow. It is an incredible promise, promise to us. It's also an incredible blessing to us. It's also wisdom for us to realize that any successes that we have had in the past are not the assurance of success in the future. You'll have to earn those the same way you earned the original. And, and, no two things are ever alike. Everything changes. As I said, a decision such as I'm facing right now was a much easier when I was 38 or 39 years old. I could say, oh, well, you know, I've made this decision before. I can do this. That's foolishness. Because 40 years or 30 years have passed since I made that decision before. Everything is different. I am different. You follow what I'm saying? So for me to just count on former successes as being the governing principle of, of doing something, it won't work. I'm going to be very honest with you for a moment. I have seen the crippling of this congregation because they cannot let go of successes of the past. We seem to have healed from the splits and all of this other stuff that took place. It seems that this body is much more at heart level together. And I praise the Lord for that. But we have not put behind us the victory of the past. Learn the lessons, again. 
learn the lessons, see the possibilities, but understand that it is not an assurance. Well, let's get more specific, you know. People say, oh, I remember when the church was 600. Why aren't we there now? I can tell you. Because there are different people here now. There are different circumstances. There's at least three churches that I know of that are in existence from out of this congregation. Lots of things have changed. Now, is that to say, oh, well, you can never see that kind of blessing again? Absolutely not. But you're going to have to have the right perspective. And the right perspective is forgetting what is behind. Praise God for the victories that you've had in the past. But realize they have nothing really to do with the present or the future. Ah, it's quiet in here now. How many believe what I'm saying? Forgetting what is behind. Here's another piece of this, and that is we can be fooled by the past. Huh? I would put it in this way. We cannot trust our memories of the past. Life has a way of adjusting the past to fit our desires and dreams. <laughs> huh? The past can seldom, if ever, be duplicated because all the pieces don't exist anymore. And the pieces that do exist are older, if nothing else. What we did, what we felt when we did, the results of what we did will always be different. And they will be different in our minds. We will often forget what it took to see the result. All we remember is the joy of the result. But many times, the sacrifices, the, the focus, the intent that it took to arrive at that success eludes us in the future. All we can think about is, oh, it was grand. Huh? I asked this this morning as before we move on, and that is, what is behind you? And how is it shaping your life today? Because you see, so many times we cannot be what we need to be now because of what has happened to us in a negative way or in a positive way in our past. I don't say this lightly, but I think it must be said here. I knew individuals who were abused when they were children, who lived their whole lives and never got past the abuse when they were a child. And in a very sad, 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 sad way, that abuser was able to abuse them over and over and over again for a lifetime. So see, this applies to more than just spiritual things or just the church. It can apply to your hurts and your pains in the past. Forgetting what is behind is the first step to being able to move forward in your life. Are you still with me? The second step is also there in verse 13 because he talks about straining toward what is ahead. Read it again. Brothers and sisters, do not, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul had a goal. It's interesting. His goal changed when he had a Damascus Road experience. He had a goal before that. His goal was to destroy the church. 
He met Jesus on the Damascus Road, had an incredible encounter with Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and made a 180-degree turn and became obsessed with seeing the church move forward. The very church that he was trying to destroy now by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was going to see it move forward. So in other words, our goals can change as God gets in our lives. Paul saw a vision of what God was going to do and he set his sights on that goal. Here's what's interesting to me. His heart and his deep desire which he expressed in Romans we studied this on Wednesday night even to the point where he said I would relinquish I would give up my own salvation if I could see the nation of Israel turn to Jesus now that's intense that was his heart of hearts but the goal that the Lord gave him was to preach the gospel and start the church among the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? That his heart of heart was so intently set on seeing his own people saved that he would make that incredible statement that he was willing to give up his own salvation if it meant that they could be saved. But the goal that he chased was the spreading of the gospel to the nations of the world, to the Gentile nations of the world. See, I believe that he believed Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He realized he couldn't just hold on to Jerusalem and Judea, he had to be willing to go to Samaria. If you remember, he was in his second missionary journey. He was in a quandary. He wanted to go east and the Lord stopped him. He wanted to go north and the Lord stopped him. And then that night, he had a vision of a Macedonian. And he realized that God wanted him to go west. I've, I've said this and felt it my whole life. that Even if the Lord had not given him that dream, guess where he would have gone? He came from the south, so he only had one direction left. He was going to push it because the Lord had set a goal before him of establishing churches and seeing people saved among the Gentiles. So he was going to press toward it. He was going to move toward it. What happened was God just put his stamp on what Paul was already moving toward in his heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody's afraid if they give God too much space in their life, he's going he's to force them to do something they don't want to do. No, that's not our God. He wants to fit. Imagine how excited Paul was when he woke up that next morning after the Lord had given him the Macedonian call, knowing that he was heading west already. It's like now, now, look out. Because here I come, Thessalonica. <laughs> here I come, Corinth. Here I come, Rome. Because God was now pushing. So Paul was pressing and God was pushing. That's the way, that's the way this should be. His Holy Spirit moving upon the goals that, that he has placed on your heart and, and confirming it, confirming it with signs following of all different kinds. God wants to do that in your lives, church. Don't be content with nothing. Pray, seek God, give me a goal, God. Give me, give me a purpose in your kingdom. Give me a reason for being your child. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit and then give you dreams and open doors and push you even as you are straining forward like Paul did toward that goal. How many want to go to heaven? How many would say you're straining to go to heaven? It's good. Keep straining. But between here and heaven, there's some things that God wants you to do. 
The key is you've got to find out what they are. And they'd be, be straining through them all the way to that point where he says, well done, good and faithful. What? Servant. Not sitter. Not abider. But servant. That is that you are accomplishing what he has placed in your heart to do. You say, well, I don't really feel anything. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you allowing God to give you a sense of purpose? Do we have a temporal or an eternal perspective of our own lives? A temporal perspective is, is just concerned about all the pieces that are around us and how we enjoy our lives today. Don't misunderstand. We are both temporal and eternal beings as believers. So God is not compelling us to just live in the hereafter. We are empowered also to live in this life. But the question is, what are you pursuing? Some are pursuing to see how much stuff that they can have around them. Are you ready? When they die. It's temporal. The stuff is temporal. Others are obsessed with having a good time. There is nothing wrong with having a good time and being happy and joyful in life. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know how you attain that? Is having an eternal purpose that you are straining toward, that you are working toward. You'll find that the, the greatest joys that you can experience will be the eternal joys. Of seeing a soul saved. Of ministering to others. I can give you a really quick example of this. Which has the greatest reward? For somebody to come up and say to you, I appreciate you, well, that feels good. Or for you to go up to somebody and say, I appreciate you. And see maybe a wounded soul, somebody who is hurting, all of a sudden brighten, their face lift up. Which one has the greatest value to us? In the natural, I can tell you, seeing your word of encouragement be an encouragement to somebody that is hurting. Do you realize that there are people that come to church who are contemplating suicide? You ever think about that? There are people that are hurting so bad, so confused in their minds, that they will come to church. We have had felons among us. People who have broken the law in many different manners along the way. You see, that person that's sitting down at the end of the seat from you, you know, you think, oh, well, you're there just a Christian like me, and okay, I'm going to just, okay, we're here, da, 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 okay, the music goes on, pastor, he's going to preach for about 40 minutes, and then we're done with this, and okay, we get to lunch, what else am I going to do this afternoon? Temporal. Or you can realize, hold on a minute, I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am promised the power of the Holy Spirit to come and enable me to do the work of the kingdom of God. I can go into that house with a spirit sensitivity looking for the, those individuals that are hurting 
and I might, just might, be able to see a life saved, changed, redeemed for the Lord and on their way to heaven. And the whole difference is their perspective. You know, I watch and I, forgive me, but I, I need to go here. The Spirit's leading this. You know, I watch as individuals step into the aisle with a need in their body. People just stand. Until they have a big need in their life. And then they want everybody to step out and be praying for them. Is that too critical? It's true. That is never getting beyond your own temporal needs of what I feel, what I want. This is a place where we need to get out of our temporal and walk in the spiritual together. You are the body of Christ. Let go of last week. Let go of your own stuff. Forget what's behind. And press toward the goal. Open your ears. Open your eyes. Say, Lord, show me. Show me how I can touch and minister to someone. You know, I have four different people come up to me today with four different needs, not their own, but of other people in here. I know what's going on. And I also know that the needs exist. Press. hardest thing that you have to push against is your own temporal wants and desires. To coming into this house and sitting down in the pew and say, bless me, pastor. Come on, give me something. Give it to me the way I like it, preacher. Come on. Say it the way I like it. Oh, I like for preachers to run back and forth a lot. So do some of that, would you? Shout a little bit. You know, kick up a leg. Do that. I really like that when the preacher does that. This isn't this isn't a contest for me to see if I can make you like me. My mandate from the Lord is to give you truth. I can't do anything if you don't want it. You want to see this place take off? Be the body of Christ. That's it. To where you are pressing you come into here pressing, not content unless God moves in this house. Not content unless somebody's healed. Not content unless somebody gets saved. Press. So, oh, I want to see the church grow. I want to see the church flourish. I want to see, I want to see this place packed out. Who's sitting next to you today? Press toward the goal. Press toward the goal. That's not somebody else's goal necessarily. That's the goal that you have in your heart. I've, I've, I know, I've seen different ones of you that look into your eyes even right now who said to me, oh, I want to see the church grow. Come on. It can happen. Go get them. Not be content. Weep. Cry out for God at these altars until your goal and press and strain against your goal. My last point. Oh, you know what? Before I move on. You still with me? I got about five minutes before you totally leave me. So I want to show you something. This has been... I actually was able to give this to a, 
another minister this week, and it was quite effective. I'm not going to spend much time on it, but it is called The Life Cycle of the Church. I caught this a long time ago, and you probably can't see these words, but I put them up here anyway. Here's where it begins, right here. It begins with vision. Okay? You could frame that in of goal, is what we've been talking about, but vision. Let's say you have a vision for this church to be filled. Okay? How do you deal with that? Well, first thing, you add faith to it. That it's not just something that you can perceive, but it is something that you believe that God can make happen. Are you with me? The second thing is that you begin, to add, you begin to add to that goals. You realize, okay, this is 1,250 seats in here. Okay, I can't do 1,250. How about one? Because there's about 140 people in here right now. So if every one of us just got one person to come in here and sit with them next Sunday, we would have 280. And if we could strain forward, if we could push forward, and every single one of that 280 would bring one person with them, this church in a matter of just two weeks would be over 500 people. That's with you bringing two people. So you add to your vision that, that desire that's in your heart that you're straining toward. You add faith to that that it can happen. You, you bring goals, realistic goals that you can enter into. And then you begin to structure this thing. So how am I going to get them? What do I need to do to get somebody to come in and set with me? Well, first of all, I'm going to have to go. I, I, I need to make a list in my mind at least of individuals that I can invite. And when I'm finished with the list of people that I know, then I'm going to have to start going to some people I don't know. And if that doesn't work, I may start stopping cars out here on 37 and saying to people, you need to be in God's house. You think I'm being crazy with that, but this was the Apostle Paul. He was so intent, straining toward the goal. He realized, hey, he's in jail, chained to a wall, and he's saying, look, now when I get out of here, I'm going to head towards Spain, because I heard that the gospel hasn't reached Spain yet, and there's people there that need to know Jesus, and so I'm going to go towards Spain. So I'm hoping to stop by and see you on the way through. That's what he told the church at Philippi. <laughs> chained to a wall, with no possibility of parole. But you see, his vision, his design upon spiritual things was so strong that he was believing that God could deliver him from that. And he didn't just sit there in the jail. He says, hold on, I can start affecting some lives from right here. I can't write, my eyes are bad. Timothy, Titus, come over here, sit by me. Write down these things that I'm about to tell you. Send them off to the churches. He wasn't content the difficulties. Structure. It ends in ministry. That's where you're actually doing it. Now I have to show you the other side of this. It's called the life cycle of the church. Because when you're doing ministry, when you're accomplishing what you had a vision for, if you do not add fresh vision, here's what happens. Nostalgia. Oh, I remember when. Hmm? Questioning. Well, why is it happening like that? I just don't understand. Why are they having to do that? What is it? What's going on? It just doesn't make any sense. I don't think. Is it, are you sure they're supposed to do it in that way? Polarization. How do you feel about this? Do you agree with me? They don't agree with me. Do you agree with me? drop out. Now let me tell you something. This happens at a personal level and at a church level. When you start hearing this, you realize that either vision is not being placed before or people are not accepting it. 
That's the reality. Because there's only one way to go when you're actually doing ministry. If you're not adding fresh vision to it, then it starts off the other side. And that happens in your life and in my life. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul, sitting in jail, having already been to all the churches in Asia Minor and all down the coast of, of Rome and Greece, he'd already accomplished that. So he says, we're going farther. I choose Spain. That was as far, as far as the map went. He said, I'm going to the ends of the earth. Come on. What's your goal? Let me give you one last point, and that is how you get there. And it's found down in verse number 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Where do you start? Well, what have you already learned? What do you already know? Live it. I sincerely doubt that I have given most of you in here any brand new information today. Hmm? How many have heard something like this before? Come on, be honest. We can do it. We're, we're among friends. Only live up to what we have already attained. That's where you start. With what you know, with what has already been put in, and then building from there. Practice what you know. The first place to start achieving is any goal is beginning right where you're at. Trying to be something that you're not does not advance your journey, but only hinders your chances of reaching the goal. It's like somebody who is not called to say, well, I'm going to be pastor. Sounds noble. But are you willing to be a witness? Because it needs to start right there. Paul says, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the power, the pattern we gave you. Take note of the people around you, of where they are headed. What examples are you following? What, what is your model? Are you willing? Well, are you willing today To say, I need to get my focus off of the temporal, the immediate, and get it onto the eternal. Maybe you're stuck in the past, either failures or successes. Maybe you've not stopped long enough in your pursuit of the stuff in the, that is around you to find out what God has for your life. As believers, we need to stop and let God put a goal inside of us that we can chase. You see, when I was just kid sitting over on this side of the sanctuary about uh, maybe six, seven rows back in our sanctuary. God called me to preach. Whatever else I do, if it's working at Lowe's, if I don't take this other position or, or driving something or whatever, whatever, I'm going to look for every opportunity and press to still be preaching the gospel. Because that's my goal. 
What's yours? What's your goal? Those of you that are as I am of age, have you given up on your goal because of a certain age? Press. Press on. Hmm. Father in heaven, I thank you this morning for the truth of your word. Simple, simple truth. Forgetting what is behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, Master. I can't imagine how this church could affect this town, this state, this world if we were to do that. You are the God of the impossible. The only thing that stops you is our will. You have promised to empower us, to enable us to do what we cannot do ourselves. I pray this morning that you would help those that are straining and struggling against their past. That you would help them, oh God, to let go of the past. Remember the lessons, but let go of the victories and the defeats. And press on. Help us right now in this moment, in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I ask this morning? I wonder if there are those that are sitting here and, and you have a realization in your spirit. Not that I've spoke, spoke to you, but that the spirit of the Lord has been speaking to your heart and you realize you've been pressing, you've been straining toward the wrong goal. And the Lord wants to change your path today. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Because I want to pray with you before we're done here. Is there anybody? I, I know that he was wanting to change some minds today because that's the reason why he laid this up on my heart to preach. I have that confidence. Yes, see your hand. Is there another? I wonder if there are those this morning that would lift up a hand and say, Pastor, I need, to, I need to know and understand the goal that God has for my life or what he's desiring for me to do in his kingdom. I wonder if there's some of you that would lift a hand and that is your heart. Yes. 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 I wonder if there are those this morning that would say, Pastor, I'm struggling with getting over my past. I'm not going to ask you whether it's a negative or a positive past, but you're, you're struggling to get past that in your life to be able to move forward. I wonder if you would slip up your hand and just say, I'm just struggling with my past. Yes, yes. Lord, I believe you. I believe in you, and I believe you. You said, cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. I pray first, O oh Lord, for those that are carrying the burden of their past. May you lift that burden off of them and may you help them to forget, to leave behind what is past. Learn the lessons, but to let go of the past so that it is no longer affecting them in their present or in their future. Help them today. You have spoken in our hearts by your Holy Spirit 
And so now we're coming to you with the response. And we pray, God, the healing that only you can bring. In Jesus' name. I pray now for those, Master, who they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They, they can't see it clearly. I pray that you would minister to them, that, Lord, as they seek your face, that you would show them and give them a goal, a purpose that they can push toward. Make them, Lord, like the Apostle Paul. Thank you for his example. Pushed past all adversity. Pushed through great difficulty. Physical need. Physical impairment. Physical bondage. But he kept ministering. He kept pressing. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us, O oh Lord to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you are wanting us to do with our lives. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to live up to what we have attained. If we're saved, if we're forgiven of our sins, then may we be pleased and walk in that forgiveness. If we have accepted the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, then may we live as people as pow of power in this life. May we expect signs and wonders and things to follow, expressions of, of your miraculous power in our lives and through our lives. Thank you, Master. Thank you for allowing us this hour and 15 minutes together today. Thank you for your word. Help us now as we leave this house to leave in power, straining forward toward the prize. In Jesus' name, amen. These altars are open, our elders are here and would love to pray with you. If you have a specific need that you would like to bring to them, they would be glad to pray with you according to the word. May God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again next week.